This podcast is for PR pros who are looking to discover the best strategies for landing their dream retainer clients and scoring them top tier media coverage. I'm your host, Jen Burson, and I want you to have a fulfilling career in PR that totally lights you up without sacrificing your personal or family time or your sanity. Welcome to the Pitching Powerhouse Podcast. We're going to talk today about the future of PR. As PR pros, it's our job to help our clients navigate. And we've been hearing, I've been in PR 18 years, and I've been hearing since the day I started, like the sky is falling, media is dying, right? We know the media landscape, it's constantly changing. Um, And especially the past few years have brought some pretty significant shifts to PR. And we used to have kind of our tried and true tactics. What once worked 100% of the time before now maybe isn't the right strategy anymore. And there are new channels and social and other uh, avenues customers are turning to for information, for entertainment, and those are obviously making a big impact on their time and attention and then their buying decisions. So as PR pros, we need to be ready with the new tactics as the future of PR continues to take shape. So, you know, not a fear-based approach, but just here's the rules of the game. The rules are changing. Let's learn them and let's continue to be awesome. So don't worry. You don't have to throw away all of these tried and true strategies. There are some tactics that are the kind of traditional avenues we used to take that are still effective, that still work, no matter what the media landscape looks like. So I want to talk about four ways the future of PR is changing and for you know, proven tactics that still move the needle. Um, Okay, four ways the future of PR is changing. Number one is cross-platform is the way to go. Um, It's always a good idea to bring a campaign to multiple platforms. And what we love is actually using multiple channels at the same publication. Uh, And that is going to be, I think, a key tactic going forward. So we know like when we talk about heritage publications like owned by publishers the traditional publications um the ones that are like our heritage titles they've always had like print maybe they've moved over to digital so it's always been a good idea to approach multiple channels at each publication this is going to be a really key tactic moving forward so these big outlets they'll have their prints hopefully for a little bit longer a lot longer um their digital sectors um we are seeing some of them launching podcasts uh they have a huge presence on their social media platforms and you can take advantage of all some some have um we've seen radio shows tv shows the biggest ones i've seen are print would go to an online version of the print magazine they might have a podcast with some of their editors or a couple different podcasts of different um 
editorial focuses and topics of discussion, and then they have their social presence. And it could be, you know, Instagram primarily, or maybe they've moved on to TikTok and they're putting a lot of effort into it. You know, you can take advantage of all of these or most of them, some of them, to get your client in front of the widest audience. So savvy PR pros, uh, we're learning that we need to know how to execute a campaign across multiple platforms and adapt or change the message to suit each channel. Because what resonates with print readers might not have the same impact on TikTok viewers or, uh, you know, pitching the founder of the company as a really good guest for their podcast might not be the same kind of thing they would cover in their print magazine. So taking a multi-phased approach is really important here too, so that you can have this this slow rollout with a single publication and really build momentum, establish your client with the outlet's audience, and then have that opportunity to kind of see what resonates, um, you know, make tweaks to your strategy as you see your client's impact on each channel. So you can offer this as like your PR approach, which includes traditional print, digital media outlets. Um, Now we're pitching commerce editors, which typically involves online features for products. Um, But you can offer that as part of your sort of bundled media outreach services. Um, You can offer social media services too, which would involve you representing the brand, like taking over their channel and doing engagement with the uh, social platforms that these outlets are using um, or that they're running content on. So engaging with their content. And then if you get an opportunity as you pitch their social editors, like specifically pitching content for their social. And um, what we would want to do is if we are able to land that crossover, take over our client's account so that we can, you know, do a takeover there uh, on the uh, publications page or um, engage with that outlet so they see the brand engaging with them. And if you're not offering that service as like social media specifically, get together with your client's social media department. So you can say, hey, listen, on the PR end, we're really trying to connect with social. Can we um, start to engage with their content? And they'll do that without pay to play. Like right now with my client Omnilux, the LED face mask company, the editor wants to review it. And so we offered product and she thinks it's going to be a really good overall topic of discussion around red light therapy as a topic they want to share with their audience on social because then they see they can amplify what they're doing on the digital side, get affiliate revenue, but she is the social editor. And so I guess technically there is a revenue piece for the publication, but it would convert back over to the digital placement with a link. Maybe in the show notes, there's a link to, um, or social, there's a link if you do like a swipe up or whatever. And there's that affiliate piece has to be in play or it's probably not going to work. So that's number one. Number two, AI. Okay. 
I know we're afraid AI is going to take over our jobs. You know, that's like sort of the immediate like, oh my God, have you ever had AI write you a press release? Like, it's not close. It's not there yet. We're not going anywhere anytime soon. You still need that strategic human input. It's only as good as the input, whatever it spits out is only going to be as good as what you feed it to get what you want. So AI, artificial intelligence, consider it a friend for now, not your enemy. So try not to bury your head in the sand and ignore it. I think those of us who have grown our businesses over time, who've evolved and adapted, like I said, I've been doing this 18 years, we haven't turned a blind eye to changes. We have embraced them and said, how can we use this to stay relevant and top of our game? So brands and publications and other PR pros, they're already using AI to streamline their processes. You know, look at the impact of chat GPT. People are using it to create ideas, um, inspire content, um, pitch angles, you know, use AI in the same ways in your in those same ways in your agency, but you also need to prepare for how AI can affect media as a whole. So on your business level, use it to start, get ideas, and you refine it. Know that if you write something on AI and it's not edited and you kind of use it as is, you do not own the copyright on that. Um, you know, it's out there um nobody else is going to see exactly what you see and if you feed it a prompt uh, someone else feeds it a prompt the same prompt they will get a different response that's just how it is it's not always going to pull the same answer however if ai is generating copy you have ai write a book for you that's not your intellectual property okay you have to take it and make it your own so consider it a starting place that's how you can use it on your business level but what happens with AI on a media level is that it gives the ability for anyone or everyone with an internet connection the chance to create fake images, incorrect information, all of which appears very real, right? Um, you can feed it a voice and have it adapt my voice and have me say in my voice whatever it wants. Like the technology is there, and if it's not there 100%, it's very, very close, and it's only getting be better. So that ability to spread misinformation, it's, it's here, um, and it sounds and seems very real. So what that means for us is that credibility and reliability will play a huge role in your media relations going forward because this world of um, uncertainty of what are, is what I'm looking at real, is it generated by AI? Can I trust my eyes? Can I trust my ears? Your credibility and those relationships with key media outlets that will pride themselves on checking, fact checking. You know, we gotten into a place where people just run fast it's like content 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 and the winner is like who can put out the most the fastest i think we're going to need to pump the brakes so that there's an opportunity to 
verify authenticity, verify the source. So when you are the source and you can be credible and provide authentic, verifiable information, you can continue to become a very reliable um, media partner. And the other key here too, virtual events or augmented reality and digital events will also have potential to make a big impact on audiences too. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the Pokemon Go game that came out on the phone and everybody was like trying to catch Pokemon. So it's augmented reality. So you're looking at the real world, but on your phone, you can see Pokemon that are location specific. Uh, my husband and I were just talking about that game and how we thought it would like sweep the nation in terms of more augmented reality games or more augmented reality experiences. It didn't happen as quickly or as widespread as like we kind of thought it would because it's super cool. Um, but I do think, especially since the pandemic and we had so many events virtually, that this kind of virtual AI world, I went to um, inside the Oculus, you know, the virtual uh, reality headset game. I met my friend Jenna at a party in a house in virtual world. There was a Jenna avatar. There was a Jen avatar. We were walking around a party with our own voices, with our little avatars. And the house we were in was a real house in like the Hollywood Hills or something with like a rooftop pool. And it was kind of crazy, but it was like really hanging out with this person and you're just in this thing. So brands could get on that. There could be cool ways that AI will take over and you, you know, be uh, useful in that way to connect with customers. So we're not burying our heads in the sand. We're using it. We're going to embrace the positive and be cautious about ethically using it, um, you know, for creating content and things like that. So um, some strategies that don't get media attention, they just won't convert anymore. Um, you know, obviously, press releases that has been on the sort of not going to convert into features realm for um, a long time. Uh, up until a few years ago, sending press releases to the media was still an okay way to get your news to multiple sources at the same time, but it doesn't convert into features, but it actually goes double when you're sending something under an embargo. The media is working so fast. They're, they're just not going to pay attention to something that you put under an embargo. So it, I think that it's kind of like a joke to publications and journalists now. They're going to laugh at you. Like, they're just going to be like embargo. Like, that's just not the news cycle just is so fast that um, they're looking for stories and news that are tailored to their specific niche, the outlet, the readership, and that they can just run now. Um, without having to, you know, be concerned about your embargo. So if you can offer an exclusive, yes. Um, but it has to, again, be targeted and tied to that publication. Um, it can't just be like a random, they're going to be like, why would I care about the exclusive access to something that's not relevant? But if you, instead of offer an embargo, 
go for exclusives. It's a really in-depth opportunity that will give your media contacts the right amount of time to conduct an interview, any follow-ups, um, that'll help them craft a really powerful story, one that will resonate with their readers, one that gives it the weight of something that is an exclusive, you know? And not everything is ripe for an exclusive. So you have to kind of pick and choose if you have something like really amazing. So, um, you know, that high impact feature that they can go really in depth and that only they can get there, the readers will have a deeper connection, more value for their audience. So it's like a real win-win if it's the right exclusive, you know, to the right publication or whatever. Um, so that's three. And number four, we're going to focus on empathy, values, social consciousness. So we know that today's consumers, they're plugged into local, national, and even global news. So we have to be on top of it too, because things that are happening in the news, um, there's a lot of like things that I hope we're not becoming numb to. We as you know, representatives, communications representatives of our clients want to make sure that we are still empathetic, that we are um, making sure that all of the copy, the communication, all of the pitch angles are really socially aware um, and the timing and everything, it takes the state of the world into account. Because what's happening now is consumers are voting for companies that align with their values and their ethics and their, you know, causes that are important by voting with their dollars. They're spending their money to support brands that they believe in. Um, consumers, they don't want to support a brand that might just carry on business as usual during a crisis. Um, maybe even if it's happening on the other side of the world, you know, like this used to be a big deal when we were running social accounts for clients. Um, we would, you know, when things were on autopilot and you had things just like running and there was like some major crisis or national news story, you know, and clients were just like, get your, you know, moms love this, blah, blah, blah. And you're going, oh my God, like you can't just, you know, you have to address this. Um, we have to guide our clients in that way. And we know also that value-based storytelling is going to resonate most with your clients' customers, with the consumers. They want to see your clients walk the walk, not just talk the talk. They need to take action. They need to show how they're taking action. They're not just paying certain things lip service, right? Like a true commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, all of those policies that is a big priority when consumers are deciding which brands to support. Um, you know, I think in general, it's a good idea to help clients see the importance of, a, of diversity and inclusion, not just in how they're representing the brand on social, but in their hiring, in their C-suite, like who's, you know, running the company, who's advising the company? Do they have a DEMI um, advisor and how are they learning and growing. Okay, so the four kind of ways that it is changing and um, what we have to pay attention to, focusing on cross-platform 
promoting of our clients, um, embracing AI. It's our friend. It can be not our enemy. Just, you know, wrap your head around it. Um, kind of, you know, kicking some old strategies to the curb, like just issuing a press release or putting something under embargo. Maybe focus on giving a very well-aligned story to a publication. And then, of course, focusing on empathy, values, social consciousness, having your clients be aware of things going on in the world. They're plugged in, they're operating in a way that aligns with the values of their customers. Not just saying it, but actually being it and doing it. Okay, so the four traditional tactics that still work today, these are the foundational, like, things that move the needle, things that get the yes, it's not changing, okay? These are still important, the fundamentals. And this is like the the foundation of the pitch lab when we teach the roadmap of, you know, how to get press. This is This is like the foundation. And when you don't do these things, it doesn't work as well. And it's seen as very lazy. So number one, doing your research still important so you know sure ai can do some research that could give you shortcuts but it's not all factual it's pulling in information that it's finding online which isn't necessarily always going to be factual so you still need to verify that information it doesn't catch everything either so you might miss a key piece of information before you pitch so i know that manual research can be kind of time consuming but it is still the best way to fact check to gather all the information that you need to write a compelling targeted interesting you know really killer pitch plus you're going to be calm and confident knowing that you're not passing along misinformation to your media contacts. So research is a key piece of every stage of that pitching process. So you're going to understand what the client's competitors are doing, what your media contacts are covering, you know, where do your clients fit into that whole puzzle. That is, um, you know, SWOT, like SWOT analysis, like strength, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, that's a really great place to start when you just start working with a client. And part of that is looking at their competitors and what they're up to, where they're getting featured in the media, like what angles are working for them, how to distinguish from those competitors. Opportunities can come along as you're looking at the right publications and the right journalists at those publications that are a fit for your audience. So um, that is still a fundamental that we can't brush over or say, oh, I'll just trust AI because it's not always going to be complete and it's not always going to be totally accurate. And it might not give you all of the information that you need to present your clients in the best light. So, um, you know, this is really important in order to like wrap your head around the whole landscape for your clients and the opportunities that are there for them. Number two, you have to personalize everything. This is, this is one thing that is never going to change regardless of what's happening in PR. Journalists, they don't want to receive generic spray and pray, lazy pitches. They're completely um, lacking personality, they're lacking personalization, they're robotic. 
emails like that will just end up in the trash. And sometimes they're so annoyed by you. It's like annoying to them. Like they don't, they might just take your name and market as spam and they'll never receive your pitches again. They make a negative impression on your media contact. It leads to the loss of credibility. They think you don't know what I write about. You don't know what we cover. This is a spray and pray pitch to everybody and you're lazy. So your pitches need to speak to who that editor is, why that story is important to them, relevant to their audience, and why it's the right choice for their publication. So every part of your pitch email should relate back to that. It should be personalized in that way so the reader is like, they're talking to me. So focus on truly connecting with your media contact and craft a message that is for them and only for them so that it really lands, really resonates. And don't forget to inject personality, your personality into that pitch. Your media contact should get a sense of who you are as a person and as a PR pro from your email. They're either gonna feel like um, you get it and you're savvy or you're cutting corners and you're lazy. So choose wisely. Uh, and number three, go local. So this is where we have always counseled our clients to start. Tried and true, large national media corporations, they have the reach the clients want. Everybody wants to be on TV. Everybody wants to be on Good Morning America, Today's Show, but they are not the best place to start. Um, and it might not even be the best place for your audience if they have a local presence or they can only service customers on a local basis um, or they need to um, you know, get their credibility going. Local's a great place. So local news has a significant impact on the community and it can be a major driving factor in growing your client's customer base when they are either a brick and mortar or let's say like a nutritionist in a certain area, a personal trainer, um, you know, an esthetician, a psychiatrist or something with a local presence and they want to have more customers in their geographic region. Um, this would be a great place to try to connect your client with local publications, regional magazines, um, maybe a local TV show, like a morning segment. This could also be your client's hometown. So there's that local tie-in, you know, that they um, are like local hero makes good on promise or whatever, you know, like a successful business spotlight of, uh, you know, somebody who grew up in the community, or if your, their product is available in a store in a certain region, that's also a good um, opportunity to pitch local because national coverage is really hard to secure, um, especially if you're trying to get somebody on as an expert or a speaker. You want to use local news to help your client establish that media presence, gain credibility with a wider audience, um, get speaking practice with uh, TV, radio segments, podcast interviews, start to hone their message, see what resonates, and then build that reel. And so now you can have a 60 second reel of their best appearances, their best moments, and you're showing they're telegenic. They are able to carry a segment. They're 
they inject their personality. Um, having that uh, background of experience with local, the reels, the, you know, the segments to show they know what they're doing, that can help you get them ready and work their way up to national press. And local is a lot easier and it's a lot less intimidating. It's a really good place to start and that's always been the case. So stick with local and then grow to national. And the fourth one, always gonna be important, is pitching your client as an expert. So if you work with a product-based client, it's a great way to get their brand into the media even if they're between launches um, they don't necessarily have something new to talk about. Uh, the founder and their story, their expertise, um, you know, your client has that deep expertise in their niche and they can share what they know. It's a great uh, way to um, talk about a trend, uh, a way to show what's happening in a certain industry from an expert and it's a really great way to start uh, getting the client honing their message, whether it's something about their story being inspirational or their knowledge being a really good uh, value add to the media. Like they wanna write a story about a topic and they're looking for that deep expertise of somebody who knows the niches that are um, like, you know they're relevant in the news like but they don't necessarily have the best information that comes along with maybe a certification like for example we have used this quite a bit for i have baby and kids clients i have a breast pump we have a lactation consultant she's not the founder of the company but she knows all she's like a certified board certified lactation consultant we also have a board certified sleep expert we have a baby monitor and we also have a doula who is certified. The media wants to feature these people for their knowledge to round out stories, to make them more credible. And they are able to talk about our client's products as part of the story that aligns with one of the tips. So that's been a really great way, still converts, actually probably the number one way that we're converting right now. Um, we have an LED face mask they have a bunch of uh, board certified dermatologists on their medical advisory board. They have independent clinical research that um, and FDA clearance to make the claims they're gonna make, but that back up their claims. And the doctors are available to talk about that. So they can talk about red light therapy, who it's for, who it's not, how it's helpful, um, and then mention the client's product in that pitch. So they can be the focus of the interview or what we've been doing is contributing a few quotes to the story. You start by pitching the expert, pitching your client as the founder, talking about what they're an expert in, how they can talk about their journey, um, what they've learned along the way, or what they know about the industry. And then over time, and you continue to pitch it. And then over time, the media starts to come to you for your expert. So we get them coming to us for the sleep expert, the doula, the lactation consultant, whenever they need to round out a story. It's been great, like tons of press. That's even if there's nothing else going on. And then of course, like Harrow is a great place to find these contribution requests that are looking for specific experts on a topic. And what happens is when your client appears as an expert in the media, it gives their brand 
major credibility boost. Um, it does have an SEO value if they link back to your client's website. It inspires consumers to trust your client's brand, keeps them in the best light in the media. And you as a PR pro are showing your media contacts. You're being a partner to them. You're helpful. You have a credible source for them. You're responsive. You are providing them with value beyond just your usual pitches. You're making, um, <laughs> you're making a uh, certified or esteemed member of the community they're looking to source available to them to share their expertise and you made it super easy. So if you don't have somebody for your clients that is an expert that would be a speaker, spokesperson on behalf of the, the brand, if it's not the founder, then we have proposed finding some. And so if you're going to be helping to find someone for your client, a good way to do that is through social media where they're sharing a lot of content and you look at their bio and you go to their website and you see that they are board certified or that they are registered with whatever organization is important to their credentials, that they are credentials, find, credentialed, find out the ones that are important to uh, give them credibility in their space and propose to your client, you know, we would love to have a spokesperson with these um, credentials and we have a few names on a short list and they can look and see if they like the tone and you also want to reach out and let them know what's expected of them. So like, are they super responsive? How, what's their typical turnaround time? Um, do they want to be paid a flat fee per month or per um, opportunity? Um, are they okay with just visibility alone? Cause sometimes you're doing PR for them. Are they willing to go on TV? Um, and then be clear that um, certain shows like today's show and good morning America will not take experts that are paid by brands. They have to be neutral experts. Um, certain shows do like Fox and Friends, but the talk, you know, Today Show, Good Morning America, The View, they don't want paid experts. They want experts that are bringing, un, you know, uncoerced opinions to their show. So the tactics that are always going to work, the fundamentals, the things we really also drive home in the pitch lab, do your research, even if you're using AI, it might not be complete, it might not be totally factual, you still have to use your human thinking brain, my son would say smart little thinking brain, to make it your own. Um, and, you know, really research every part of this, the process, a SWOT analysis is really helpful. You absolutely must personalize everything you're sending out to a journalist, the pitch, the angle of the pitch, use their name, reference back to their work, um, inject your personality, make it clear that you're like a human, you're not a robot. Um, go local, great place to start if your client has brick and mortar or they're an expert in their local community. And then of course, pitching your client as an expert or getting an expert, a certified credentialed expert on board that you can use to add value to your media contacts by sharing that you have a source for them that can round out your stories. So. Thank you so much for being here. Take good care, you guys. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy your weekend and I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pitching Powerhouse Podcast. If you're ready to up-level your pitching skills so that you can provide stellar services to your clients, you should think about joining the Pitch Lab. 
Check out the link in the episode description to learn more. So the Pitch Lab is this awesome, incredible monthly membership experience where you will get the proven formula for crafting PR pitches that actually convert and get tons of strategic, timely pitch angles so you never run out of pitch ideas again. Oh, and you also get access to incredible monthly execution plans that save you hours of time and include irresistible pitch angles that the media cannot ignore. With relevant and timely strategies and topics for PR coverage during current events, holidays, monthly awareness observances, say that fast three times, seasonal events, and more, you'll be able to create PR content that makes your clients stand out, even if you are new to PR. So check out the link in this episode's description to learn more. And as always, be sure to tune into next week for another incredible episode packed with the insights you need to become a pitching powerhouse.